welcome to Uncomfortable Truths with Kadeepa Timmermans. And my guest today is Marilyn Leader. Hey, Ooh, Hey, Marilyn. Hey. Great to see you again. Thanks, likewise. It's lovely to catch up. It <laughs> is, and thank you for having me in your gorgeous home. Pleasure. Gorgeous. Now, we've known each other quite a long time. I think it was about 2015 or 16, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Station 59. Yeah. Yes, all women. Yes, all women. Yeah. Yes. Wednesday nights, wasn't it? Was it first Wednesday of the month? It was. Yeah. And oh, at least wow. one or two, I think, in between, we do together. So, yeah. yeah. We saw each other a lot down there. It was, it was a great vibe, it wasn't was. it? It was. It was beautiful. It was lovely camaraderie. <coughs> the women and, and a lot of beautiful men there too. Yes, we did have a lot of great guys yeah. that would come on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah, that we still sort of see, we still gig with now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a great way to, because I was just starting and you would have just been starting, would that uh, be right? Well, or? I was restarting. I was probably about, it had been about 20 years, so. Wow, I, yeah. so you've had, because you then had another, I didn't see you for a number of years, yeah. and yeah. now you've come back onto the scene yeah. with a gusto. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so where, would you like to start at the beginning, or do you want to oh, tell no. us about what's going on now? Yeah, or? I, well, I can tell you, like, I, I actually gigged, I started doing comedy in the mid-90s in LA, believe it or not. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. So I always had an interest in comedy and I was, you know, I used to, in the 90s, go a lot to Last Laugh and um, Star and Garda and mm. then I actually was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to study at UCLA. I did um, screenwriting there. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I got some really cool internships with Seinfeld and 20th Century Fox. And actually part of my um, uni course, I could sort of structure to do something that I was interested in, which was stand-up comedy. So I did um, a stand-up comedy course with a guy called Mark Lono, who's um, part owner of the Improv in, in LA. In LA. Yeah, and believe it or not, he was actually, he used to be the comic partner of the Fonz, of Henry Winkler. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was he was fabulous. And um, I can't remember how long the course was, maybe 12 weeks or something, and it culminated in a, a gig at the Improv. But um, I was doing quite a lot there. Like I was probably gigging, you know, three, three nights a week. It, like wherever I could find, like I I do um, the comedy store, I do the improv, I do the Cantor's Deli sometimes. You know, while people are slurping their chicken soup. Wow. And, so you've yeah. done gigs at the comedy store. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. I'm I'm a bit enamoured. <laughs> I'm a bit like starstruck because I listened oh. to Joe Rogan a fair bit, and of course, when he lived in LA, that was his. That's where he it, went, yeah, and I it was, know it's a very famous. It is, it is, and um, yeah, it was a pretty exciting place to be. I mean, Sundays there'd be open mic night, and you'd you'd queue up all sort of afternoon. You'd put your name down, and sometimes they'd call you, and sometimes they wouldn't. You know, and you could just yeah, be right. waiting a very long time. And I remember once I was there, and um, and the the two MCs um, said, oh, they came up to me and they said, you know, there's a ghost at the comedy store. Yeah, and that's I, what yeah, I heard on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and I said, no, I didn't know that. And they go, oh, do you want to see? I'm like, sure. They brought me backstage and, uh, and um, I'm thinking, okay, what's going on now? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And I realised it was kind of like an audition by fire and they put the lights out and all of a sudden, Pradeepa, there was a, um, an, a, a hand on my leg and I, you know, when, when you're feeling stressed, what do we do? We crack a joke. So I went, hooray for Harley Ward. <laughs> and they said, 
the ghost of Ethel Merman. And that was it. The lights went on and, and, and I got on. I got on. And I actually told that story on stage. And the fellas, because I, I basically said, um, of course, you know, I exaggerated. I said, you know, they took me backstage and I don't know if there was there's a ghost in the comedy store, but the lights went out and there were hands all over my body. Yeah. <laughs> and the was like, sorry about that. I said, what you've got to put up with to get a gig in this town. <laughs> that would have got a good laugh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but it was, you know, it was quite late and it was really, you know, you just sort of, you, you just cope, you know, you just cope, you crack a joke and it just diffuses the situation, so. Yeah, yeah. What, so I, you had that in the dark and then they put you on stage straight oh, away. Oh, maybe not straight away, but, um, yeah. And it, was, it wasn't one of them putting their hand on your leg, was it? Oh, probably. <laughs> 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 it could have been nice, <laughs> <laughs> It could have been Ethel, <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was quite an interesting place. Like once I, uh, um, yeah, uh, there was this rumor going around that there was this 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 guy that uh, had a television show was going to be coming to try out some material. His name is Chris. I'd never heard of him before, and he, um, I, I was supposed to be going on, and it was quite late. You know, it was about I don't know midnight or something. Anyway, this guy Chris came on. It's freaking hilarious, and I was so angry, Pradeepa, because he did an hour set, and he was hilarious, and everyone loved him. And then I went on. And oh. there were these comics that were pissed because they, you know, I was up there, you know, this 20-year-old Australian gal who got up and, uh, you know, and I, and I was getting some good laughs. And these guys just started going, fight, fight, fight. And they pretended a fight was happening. And I turned around, they grabbed the mic off me and just started doing their riffs. And, what? Um, yeah, and then the MC came and just kind of threw him out and said, don't, you know, that's the most unprofessional thing I've ever seen. And then he invited me back the next week. But um, the, the comic that was that, that did the hour set was Chris Rock. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 1997, I think. And he had a show called, I don't know, Everybody Loves Chris or something. I don't know. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was very angry with him. I'm, I'm still a bit dark on Chris Rock to this day. For bumping you <laughs> yeah. until you, what, you went on at like <laughs> 1 o'clock in the morning. Can you imagine following Chris Rock? But, um, well, I, I don't want to congratulate you on getting at least a few laughs. <laughs> Following Chris Rock. I'd like to say that he supported me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit stretching the truth, isn't it? <laughs> you could say that, yes. Yeah, yeah. But that's a very tough gig yeah, to have. Yeah, yeah. And even getting just a few laughs is a yeah, success yeah. as an up and but, someone who's yeah. new. I think it was like it was quite, I did quite enjoy working in the States because, you know, I'm the fish out of water. Right. Um, and, you know, they used to say I was one of the only women not doing blue material. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So most of the other women on the scene there were doing blue material? Oh, yeah, probably quite filthy, you know. But yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. It is, isn't it? Because yeah. that's not really the – oh, not so much the case here in um, no. Melbourne, I no. find that, yeah, some people get dirty, but not so much anymore. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. You and I can – Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just so used to it that I think that that's that's, right. it's just it's normal. It's just normal for us, isn't it? But, so your material was sort of cl fairly clean back then or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, what I yeah, gosh. <laughs> I can't imagine having done comedy at 20. That's I was Look, I was quite, I would walk around with a bit of angst in me about it, whereas yeah. now, you know, I'm a little bit older and I don't have as much fear. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. what we used to do, I used to have um, what we'd call a comedy buddy. That was oh. actually something that Mark told us. You know, it's actually really good to have a buddy that you'd go around with. So then if you have a bad gig, you know, they'd say to you, it's not you, it's them. You yeah, know? And yeah. And so it's just good 
to have that. Somebody and, to prop you back I, up when yeah, you get a bit down. Yeah, and I had this gorgeous gal. She was a Swedish gal. Believe it or not, she used to be a, a Benny Hill gal. A <laughs> Benny Hill gal? Yeah, she was on Benny Hill. Yeah, yeah. But wow. I think when they were in New York, there was like, you did a special in New York. And oh, okay. There was, I don't know, some scene where they were walking around Central Park and 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 uh, remember there was the, the short, bald guy that always yeah. had the hot girls. And, yeah, and um, he used to pat him on the yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think my friend Margarita would, would walk around with him and, and Benny Hill would just stand there like, why not me? Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Those are the days. I grew up on <laughs> Benny Hill. Terrible. If you'd see it now, we'd be shocked. Oh, <laughs> that's what we would call hack, I Yeah, think. absolutely. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> so you did a short course over there, yeah. went for 12 weeks. That's amazing they yeah. got you on the writer's. You had some experience with writers for Seinfeld on a short course in... in oh, no, that was completely different. That, oh, that was, was different. an internship. So that was part of my course. Um, so I did a, um, a master of, a part of a Master of Fine Arts. It was an education abroad scholarship. Right. Which they still have now. So I spent a year over at UCLA. Oh, you spent a master's. year there, right. Yeah, yeah, and yep. I did two internships. That, I mean, they were wonderful. You know, internships there, um, they basically say... What do you want to do? And I, at the time, I loved Seinfeld. We all loved Seinfeld in the 90s. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And NBC had something called Must See TV, and that was every Thursday there was Seinfeld, um, Frasier, Friends, um, Mad About You, if you remember that show, yeah. um, with Helen Hunt. They were all the top Liza. sitcoms at the Brilliant. time. Brilliant, and ER, actually. And another show called Third Rock from the Sun with John Lithgow, which was wonderful. Um, and, yeah, I worked in their story department, and I was reading scripts, um, sitting in on pitch meetings and looking for, um, you know, new, new, even new writers for shows or, or new shows. Um, so that was, that was a paid internship. And then I did another one with 20th Century Fox working for Jason Alexander, who um, played George on Seinfeld. Um, oh, right. Yeah. So did you meet him? Yeah, yeah, of course. I sat at his desk, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah. what, what was your job? In... Uh, development. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big term, development. It basically means you're, you're sitting in on pitch meetings, you're reading scripts and you're writing something called coverage, which is you summarise the scripts and then you do a page or two of, of your comments, your, your feedback. Um, and it was good as a young screenwriter to, you know, read, read new scripts and, um, and summarise them because that's something, you know, I do now as, you know, for my own my own projects, but yep. also I, I I lecture at university um, for film and television. So oh, I, I is teach. that what you yeah, lecture yeah. So in? So I teach um, screenwriting and uh, and directing at film oh. and I can be in second year. So yeah, so my students uh, make make short short films. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. from that time back then, immersing yourself, it's now you're teaching students, Absolutely. you know, years later. Yeah, yeah. It must be very satisfying in it some way. It is. It is. I really like it. Like I, um, I'm there three days a week and then I also do my own creative stuff another couple of days as well. But part of my work, Pradeep, is also doing research. So, ah. um, so some research can be um, traditional research where... Um, like, for instance, early this year, I, um, I interviewed, uh, we actually had a, a special feature for a, um, an academic journal on uh, independent filmmaking. Right. And, uh, so I, I interviewed a number of filmmakers and uh, 
and you know we, we wrote a paper about it and that that's been published but also we can do something called non-traditional research and that's where my comedy comes in so i can i you know if i do a show that's part of the comedy festival this yeah. is the melbourne comedy festival which is you know as you know it's one of the the three biggest festivals in the world yeah um i actually get uh, i write a 200 word statement and then i get something called a research citation so it's equal to to writing you know a, a five to seven thousand word article so yeah Really? But a heck more fun. So how many <laughs> words do you have to write? Oh, it depends on the on the journal. Sometimes 3,000, usually around so uh, six or 7,000 words. Words? Yeah, yeah. And you write it about your experience doing a comedy festival show? Uh, oh, look, I, my, my traditional research is I, I do write about comedy, so I write uh, about comedy uh, television, uh, web series, film. Um, I also do stuff on gender. Um, but it's all stuff that wow. I'm interested in. It yeah. is quite rewarding, I've got to say. Like it is, yeah. Wow, and that gets published. I'm not familiar with that with the academic process. So you do this and you write a citation. I've heard people yeah. talk about what is a citation. Well, you would have heard. I mean, you know, any field you're in, like if you're a psychologist or a doctor, you know, there's, yeah. there's published papers. Yes. You know, like you read things in in the newspaper that that might quote a paper or might talk about statistics or yeah something. right so it's um, quoting yeah. another publication uh, a citation oh no 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 you do um no the citation is actually oh yeah it can be so you you do you do quote you start off you'll, you'll do a literature review so you you see what else what's come before you and then you say but there's a gap here you know there's something else i want to know and so that's what your paper is about so, ah. yeah. so sometimes you might interview people or it might be a matter of reading or there's all sorts of things i mean a scientist would do experiments you know yeah and, yeah um, yeah there's all you know it depends what your interests are but um because you're researching so depending exactly. on what you're researching yeah. whether interviewing or looking up articles mm. or whatever the case may be yeah. would be the best way to do yeah. that yeah. wow so these are skills that you can use in your comedy for sure it sounds for like sure. it's all like different parts of the one sort it, of thing it does you know all I mean? kind of yeah it does all fit in together i mean I, but my background was actually as a performer originally so straight out of uni i um got into the buddy holly story so i was um in the musical and i toured australia for a couple of years um so that's sort of my background is performing that's my love so you um, were in the buddy holly story yeah the original australian production that shows oh, how wow. old i am yeah <laughs> would that have been in the 2000s uh, was, yeah just no it was earlier than that it was 92 93 i think oh wow yeah that shows my age doesn't it well yeah well, i was over traveling in india at that time wow i think i'm a little bit older than you <laughs> so you can feel like you're the youngest in the room well similar experiences really isn't it? <laughs> So were you a dancer, a singer, I was a singer comedic? Believe it's yeah, all of the above. Jack of all trades, master of none. So believe it or not, I, I studied um, theatre at uni, but I also studied saxophone. So oh. that was my humble beginnings as a saxophonist. So So were you in the orchestra pit? No, no, I was on stage as well. So I played a number of roles. Um, I played Peggy Sue, I um, sang and danced pretty badly, but you know, sang jingles. Um, Wow. I played um, a character called Candy, which was um, Buddy's girlfriend. I played... Um, These I, are reasonable roles. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they were all kind of little, but they were fun. It was a really great experience, you and know. And professional. You would have been yeah, paid yeah. for that. absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, that's and, awesome. And um, the guy who played Buddy Holly, Jeremy Stanford, is now directing my comedy festival show. 
So he, he got into directing and um, he's just come back from um, directing uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He's just done an Australian tour of that. So, yeah. So it's... Wow. Yeah. yeah. I love those kinds of stories. Absolutely. Yeah, when you work with someone earlier on and then you do your own stuff later and then, you know, it's been decades in yeah. between and you end up working together That's again. That's it. That's it. So that, that time that you spent doing that stuff back there is facilitating your goals in your life now for sure for sure that's very exciting yeah. and i i mean look i i just i think deep down i think i'm like a comedy writer performer you know that's yeah. that's that's really where i feel most at home but i've also you know also always done teaching one way or the other i like i really love working with sort of emerging filmmakers and performers and um, yeah, I really, I quite enjoy that. You know, I'm quite, so yeah, being I more like of a mentor role. Yeah, I do. I really like it. I love giving feedback. And, you know, I thought, you know, this, when you're sort of in between gigs and you wonder, you know, what would I like to do? And, you know, at one stage I thought, oh, you know, I could be, you know, a, a theatre critic. But I thought, no, I want to do something that's a little bit more positive. Like, you yeah. know, because I think, yeah. I think criticism is very important, but I, yeah. I like to do it more constructively so that I'm giving feedback, but I'm mm. actually helping I'm helping rather than crushing spirits, you know. Yeah, I'm helping, helping you know, young young writers develop, develop, yeah, develop yeah. their craft, yeah, for sure, and for and sure. and give them um, honest feedback, but also facilitate yeah. their confidence. That's, and that's what we're meant to do as teachers, yeah. you know. It's a, mm. it's it can be a, a bit of a tricky role, but it, I imagine it can be fulfilling when when your students really get into it yeah. and develop. Absolutely. It's so great seeing them, you know, <coughs> going, you know, dis distributing films that they've made in my in my class and then, you know, doing the festival circuit and winning awards and, yeah, playing festivals. It's lovely. It's just, it's awesome. You That's know. spectacular. It's really great. Yeah, yeah. Well, great. That's awesome. Mm. And so you're doing a, a show. Like, there's this big gap, though, we haven't talked about in between the 90s and now we could cut straight to your show let's now let's but cut straight to it i can just in a nutshell i yeah so i i i it was a slog you know getting trying to get get films made and television shows made and getting knocked back and knocked back and knocked back and then, oh so yeah. you went through that process oh, yeah, of writing scripts and submitting them to then, yeah, tv stations and production houses all and all that and stuff and then finally i got the tv show made with um a guy called peter moon who you might remember from fast forward so we did a show for Foxtel called Whatever Happened to That Guy and it was like a an Australian version of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So oh, that, really? Yeah, so when was that? That was, I think, about 2009, I think. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, congratulations retrospectively well, on know, that because it yeah. takes a lot of effort to oh, get yeah. something like that but through. But, like, you know, I've put TV pilots together that got so close that just didn't quite get made. And, oh, you know, wow. Um, and, but that's so common in the industry, oh, isn't sure. it? sure. And you just have to sort of keep – you have to have a, a few things going at, at once, I think, you know, so you don't invest too much in one thing. But, well, it's so unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. Because but, you can also get a yes and then all of a sudden oh, it gets cut. Absolutely, absolutely. We, I mean, we both know people that that's happened to and that's, that's heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but even, you know, when you get really close, you know, it can be really difficult and you just have to, I think, kind of believe in what the project is and just 
keep powering on, I think. Well, yeah, I think it can be yeah. very easy to become jaded. Yeah. If probably. that thing happens a few times, for sure. particularly. For sure. And you have to, it has to be the right time. You know, we've heard, you know, stories of, you know, things that were maybe pitched 10 years earlier, it wasn't quite right, and then, you know, get made. How long did Captain Kim take to get made? I think that was a while. <laughs> I don't know, yeah, yeah, but I, I know it was a runaway a success. Years. It was a few years. Yeah. What, before somebody actually picked yeah, it up? Yeah. So it seems like just like comedy on stage and becoming a, a good comedian, working with scripts and working in the field of submitting scripts and, and mm. wanting to get them made is also a very long game. It is a long like game. Like deca- a decades long decades, game. Like, correct, correct. You, if you and give up after three years, you haven't even started. No, that's exactly right, Pradeepa. And I think that's why I really love stand-up comedy because it's, you know, you write, you write some material, you you rehearse a little bit at home, you get out there, you do it, it works great. If it doesn't work, even better because then you just keep working at it, you know. I always have this thing like people say to me, oh, you know, are you scared you're going to die on stage? Like not really because I think if I die then then I know that that, that the bad gig's already been this week and <laughs> next week will be better. So Yeah, and right. I think that's that's probably, a great way to look at yeah, it. Yeah, and I think that's maybe the difference now that I'm a bit older. Like mm. I know that, you know, I know I can get laughs, you know, so I just yeah. maybe have to tweak things a little bit. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's cutting a few words, sometimes it's adding a better punchline or, you know. I, you just never know where the laughs are going to land, do you? You know, sometimes they... No. Like, it's surprising where they land. You know? It is, particularly if it's a new gag that you're just yeah. trying out. Yeah. And then it's about finding where they do land mm. on a regular basis mm. and shaping it around those laughs. And mm. Well, you'd be very familiar with the editing process then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm doing that now for my show, you know, because I'm, I'm doing, you know, one or two gigs a week and just doing a lot of new material that's that I'm going to be using in my festival show next month. So I'm yeah. kind of currently, you know, I think every time I do it, I usually cut a few words out, you know, and some things that I swear are going to be funny that, that's worked really well, you know, when, I, when I'm telling people and then you get on stage and it just bombs. And it could just be, it could be the timing, you know, yep. it could be just, yep. you know. It's strange, isn't it? There are, yeah. there are factors that can influence it. Yeah. Do you record your sets and listen yeah, back? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I've started doing something else I've actually started because we were talking about this before the um when you're rehearsing you know it's so exhausting you know you get tired of your own voice so not only you're on stage but you know you've rehearsed that a number of times to make it look effortless you know I know and so I've started actually recording my me rehearsing as well ah yeah so I've actually started I've it's almost like I'll, I'll read my script because there's so much to remember for an hour show or a 50 minute show. It's a big and, deal. Yeah, and I'm and I'm getting a bit tired of just reading it and practicing it that way. So now I've started, yeah, recording it and then listening back to that. Um, so do you like listen back? I used to when I used to go to the gym and I used to use the technique of writing out these big scripts for my comedy and then mm-hmm. cutting it back. I don't do that anymore. I just start with a, an idea, but. <coughs> I found that very helpful to listen back to it yeah. over and over again. It really sunk in. Yeah. That's because I went to Rusden uh, Drama and Media Studies. Oh, so it's a similar course. Yeah, yeah. So I was at Melbourne. And yeah. so learning your lines for a script yeah. is ver- quite similar to that. And I found that listening was much better than reading over and over again. It's, it really sinks in. Yeah, but the difference is, you know, when you're doing a theatre show is you've got, you know, it's not a one-hander. It's usually there's other people you're bouncing off. That's when right. When you're doing stand-up, it's just you. It's just so you. No you've got no cue. No. So you don't have a banter. So we're, the, we're, the, we're, it. we're our, our own cues, yeah. aren't we? <laughs> 
you have to kind of remember the, se- mm. the hardest bits are when you're segueing from one bit to another I bit so, yeah. and then you got to do it's, like, it's also like being a musician um chord changes yeah because i'm i play guitar i'm not particularly good at all i just mainly do open chords uh, but when i was better and practicing and gigging and so on there'd be particular chord changes that were difficult and you'd need to practice that one yeah. change over and over change. again. That's what I find if you're segueing from one bit to the next. I yeah. just have to do that one bit over and over again because otherwise I forget. Well, it's like that. like Because we're our own instrument as comics. And like, yeah. don't you sometimes get tongue-tied over some words? Like I've got this mm. one line, something about Celine Dion. And that's such a hard name to say. Yeah. The L's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to say, I it, to listen to Celine Dion, and that's oh, a lot listen of the Elsie. <laughs> it's like see, she sells seashells. <laughs> so I had to practice doing that a few times. It just became funny. So, um, yeah. But that's part of being professional is attending to those details. I think. <laughs> so Don't you? Finicky, you know. But those are the kind of things yeah. I find that can throw me if, yeah, if it doesn't absolutely. go well. Yeah. And I can't get it out properly, then I sometimes forget what's next. I know, you have to just make a joke of that. It's like it's you do. Like a, and that's what the audience want to see. They want to see our stuff up, don't they? <laughs> you know. I guess maybe in some ways. Yeah. Although I'm we'll be humble about it, you know. So. Oh, if we screw yeah. up, we have to admit to it. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. can't pretend it didn't happen. We, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Unless you say, well, that didn't happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, it does become the elephant in the room, you know <laughs> what I mean? It. Like if you Absolutely. stumble and keep, you know, and I find if yeah. you want to keep connected, yeah. you've got to admit that yeah, shit true. went down. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes down. <laughs> it does. Well, recently the first time I've seen you, when did you actually, oh, so back in, back in US you did stand-up. So that was, yeah, in the 90s, what? and then I came back to Australia, and I actually did, um, I did the ESPY, I did a place called Star and Garda that I don't know if it even exists anymore. I but know, I, I know what I know what happened to the Star and Garda. Tony that r- yeah. was running it at yeah. the time, he went and opened up Comics Lounge. Oh, of course, yes. So it went from... It was a nice venue, yeah. Well, it's still open actually. Yeah. They managed to make it through COVID because Star and Garda, Clint and I, so you would have been doing it around the 2000s, around 2000. It was late 90s. Late 90s. To be honest, Pradeepa, I found it because I was like mid, probably early to mid-20s when I came back. And I actually found it a little bit difficult doing it in Melbourne where I had family and friends. I found oh, really? it hard. Yeah, yeah, I did. I don't find it hard now, but I think that's just, it's like I've, as a performer, I found that quite intimidating. Yeah, I think I maybe had, I did a bad gig with, um, and there was somebody I knew in the audience and I just, I just felt mortified and I just didn't get back for about 20 years. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. But look, also. Rather than keeping your friends and family away, you just stop performing. (laughs) No, I think, I don't know. Yeah, pretty much. But look, also, you know, I had kids and there are other things. Oh, yeah. Children take up your whole life. Yeah. And maybe concentrating on, you know, on film and TV and. Yeah. and, And yeah, I did other stuff like I did I did all sorts of things like I was always sort of doing writing but I did you know media comms and I, I wrote you know political speeches as well and you know I wrote for, for Brumby and Brax and Kennard and you know wow. that, sort of that was that's some good comedy there you know? <laughs> I always think it's good to you know have stuff like that that you can talk about you know that 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and do you use some of that stuff in your materials? Oh, I've, I've sort of, I've attempted to write TV shows about that sort of thing. But, you know, there's a lot of those things have already been done. Like, you know, you've got, you've got Ab Fab that was, that did such a beautiful job of the PR world. And then you've got, yeah. you know what I mean? There's yeah. like, you know, yeah. the working dog crew did some really good political stuff. So you sort of have to just, you know, you, you, you find the thing that sort of works for you and where there's a niche, I think. Yeah, like, yeah. There's no point doing something that's already been done well. <laughs> no, unless you have a different angle Exactly. On it. That exactly. would be complementary yeah. in some ways. You're trying to do yeah. the same thing is always not, never yeah. going to work, is yeah. it? No, no. So I, yeah, so I, I think I started again, well, shortly before I met you, which was, what did we say? 2015, 2016. Yeah. I did, you know what I did to get back into it? I actually did um, Rachel Berger's and um, Kath Devaney's Gunners. I did that. Ah. Yeah, I did that, and that was awesome. Was and it then, writing or comedy? It was comedy. It was stand up. Because comedy. somebody else, I can't. I think it might have been Kate or Andy Maradis. Andy might have did done it. Andy Maradis yeah. did Kate, uh, yeah. Rachel Berger's course. I always loved Rachel Berger, so I was a big fan of hers in the 90s. And I actually used to watch a lot of comedy in the 90s, I've got to say. Like Live? Before, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was quite, you know, I, I was literally seeing probably at least two gigs a week. So that was really how I got my interest, but it, I'd never dreamed that I would be doing that, you know. Yeah, right. And then I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a go. And I think, like I said, when I was in the States, I had no fear, so I was able to do that. And um, But but then, yeah, having Rachel Berger sort of hold my hand, that really helped. And I think before I did a gig, or maybe it was afterwards I called her and she was so generous. She was, you know, putting – she was, I think, writing a show and she just stopped and she chatted to me for an hour and – you know, because I, I mentioned there was some gig that I did that I, I thought didn't go so well. And it was something about it was after my mum died. And I, I had said some comment about 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 that. And um, there was this table of, of girls that were, I think, friends of my, my husband at the time. And uh, it just it went down like a lead balloon. But then I listened back over it and I hear um, Kieran Butler going, ah! <laughs> in the background. So, and, and Rachel just said to me, don't worry about those girls. You don't know. Some, someone, they might have had a, um, a parent that was, was critically ill at the time. You don't know, like, yeah. what, what it was. Um, yeah. Also, yeah. oh, this would have been at Station 59. <laughs> it was at Station 59. It was probably Yes All Women, you know. Yeah, right. Um, so, oh, so really you helped. still had contact with Rachel once if you wanted some help. Ben. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. She's wow. yeah, a really wonderful mentor and somebody that I respect, respect so much. Oh, too. she's wish, been around it for oh, so many I wish, decades. I wish she was back in Melbourne gigging. <laughs> you know, I'd love, you know. Yeah, I'd, I get the feel. Has she gone corporate? Is that where uh, she's gone? Well, she's moved to Tasmania. She's, oh. Yeah, Tamar Valley. Um, she moved there. Tamar Valley? That Tamar, 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 Val oh, Tamar Valley. It doesn't sound like she's doing comedy anymore. Uh, well, but she was still doing some gigs here, but I haven't spoken to her for a little while. I have to... Right, <laughs> call her yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yes. Yeah, well, so she might want to know that you're doing a show, your own <laughs> show. Yeah, because yeah. I think you know she might get a lot out of it too when her students yeah persevere and yeah. get going. No, she's awesome, and um, yeah. So I, yeah, I think you and I did a we did a festival show together, didn't we? We did all part of a collective. Yeah, under the free comedy banner. Yeah, two thousand seventeen. <coughs> seventeen. That yeah, that was actually the last time they did shows there. That's right, because they yeah I think because they moved to Highlander and. Station well, got renovated. That's right. Yeah. Because I remember in 2017, mm -hmm. the last show was Kieran's show, and uh, we stayed oh. on a Saturday night. Yes. 
and I was there because I think I'd done a I show there earlier. Yeah, yeah. We were there as well. Yeah. And I think Lainey... Yeah. for that show. <laughs> and uh, kind of lucky for us that it was because then all of a sudden that was it. All right, so we didn't know then, did we? We didn't we know. Nobody it. knew that yeah. that was going to be the last night yeah. of comedy. It was just all of a sudden yeah. they sold yeah. it and... It was a beautiful venue. That it was, was really it. Lovely. It worked quite yeah. well because it had the main area and it also had a separate. Yeah. It was like Highlander, but I think I prefer Station Fifty Nine. It was a little bigger. I think, it was a little yeah. bit bigger. It was yeah. the main one was a bit more like Highlander downstairs. But I, I, like I really, you know, I'm really grateful to Kieran for having that night that was just women because I think um, it can be quite intimidating to, as a, you know, as a woman to get mm. up on stage. Even though, like, you know, I was quite experienced as a performer, but it's different doing stand-up because it's, like, my material's so personal. You know, I don't talk yeah. about popular culture or, I mean, that sounds a little bit smooch, yeah. but it, it is always very personal. So, you know, yeah. they're, if they're not laughing, it's not just that, that I, I did a, a, a crap gig, but, you know, yeah. it's quite, it can be personal. So, yeah. um, but, and it was such a, a warm, inviting, you know, room and, yeah, yeah and it was, it was so, it was, there was a lot of camaraderie there and, yeah, it was really good and, and Kieran always gave really great and honest feedback. So, yeah, really grateful, you know, that he had that room. It was really good. Yeah, me he too. He did a really great job mentoring a lot of us that, you know, we still... Now yeah, they're, you know, doing our own shows. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I was, I was very thankful for that because um, I started. When I say I started, uh, um, I did very little. I was only doing like one gig a week. I was either going once a week seeing comedy or yeah. gigging, yes. which is very little compared to a lot of comedians. <laughs> But Neo was six at the time. Yeah, you know. see, this is the this is the thing. You know, you you ask, you know, why there was a break, and when you've got kids, you can't. I mean, in my twenties, I could do three gigs a week. Mm. I just couldn't do that with with children. You know, now no. now I've got teenagers, but it's still, you know, to get out three nights. You know, it's it's it is a big deal. It is a big deal. So. You know, and when you're working as well, I find it yeah, a bit exhausting. Absolutely. But um, I try and get out like at least, oh, I don't know, one day. I, you just grab gigs where you can I kind of thing, yeah. you know. But I didn't realise till I started this podcast that younger comedians that don't have any children, they're out there like four nights a week, well, this is nights it. a week. This is it. Oh, every I, week. I know. I mean, I I do, like, well, I, I, was, I was doing that myself, but only, you know, for a year or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, that's what... It really needs, you know, if you're going to... Well, I've learned that, I mean, you can do it however you like. True. But if you really want to break through and become a pro comedian, that's what it takes. I think so, yeah. And that's been a bit of an eye-opener, to be honest, doing this podcast, realising that the people that are getting better and that are getting better gigs and so on are Mm. putting in a a lot of work, Mm. Mm. you know. It's it's allowing yourself to fail too. I think you've got to, you know, you've got to take chances out there and do do, you know, new material and do stuff that, you know, maybe. Yeah. Uh, what did I, I read this, read this saying, you know, they say you should write about what you know. Mm. I read, I read you should actually write about what you don't want people to know. And that's what I thought, oh, that's oh. great because that's, that's like my show, you know. Yeah. It's really the stuff you don't want people to know. Hey, let's do it on stage in a, in a festival. Just tell everybody what I don't want people close to me to know. <laughs> It's a bit like therapy in that way, isn't it? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't really see it as therapy. No. I just, I just like, I'm, you know, I got divorced recently and, you know, I'd just been telling <coughs> some, some dating stories to some friends and they were laughing and so that was like my rehearsals and, you know, and I, over lockdown I, I sort of 
structured. You know, I'm, I'm always writing. So, you know, if I'd say something funny or hear or see something, I'd write it in my, in my, you know, in my folio. And then just over summer of, what was it, 2020, 21, I just sort of structured it into a show and was hoping to sort of get out last year and do some gigs. And, you know, we went back into lockdown, didn't we? We, so, saw, we sure did. Yeah, so that's kind of, I guess, why you hadn't seen me perform for a while, I guess, you know, I was sort of writing and, you know, doing stuff in my lounge room. And, yeah, finally yeah. this year I've been able to gig again. So, well, it was great to see you at First Friday. That's where yeah. we reconnected. Yeah, that's right. Peter Murphy's and Anna Murphy's room. It's awesome at the El- Elwood. Um, yeah, that was Lounge. a great night. Yeah, it was really fun. It, it was. was fun. It yeah. was. You know, we had um, Jasmine there. She was an audience member. That's who right. <laughs> made herself known. That's we had a lot of fun around that. But it was a great night. It, it was, was really fun. good. Had you been gigging much before that? Oh, I think I might have done one in December or something last year. Right. I, I did, yeah. So would yeah. you like to tell us a bit about your show? Yeah, sure. Yeah, because I'm intrigued. Yeah, so it's called The Milf Next Door. The Milf Next the Door. The Milf Next Door. Which, you know, I did see a song at First Friday that's going to be in the show, isn't it? Yes, yes. I loved it. Yes. It's it was a, great. Thank you, thank you. It's a, um, I won't say what it is, but it's a, it's a classic um, a classic 70s rock song that is sort of, mm. it sort of sets the scene. It's sort of like, um, it talks about the breakup of my marriage. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and that's sort of going to set, set the stage really. So that's the tone. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to talk too much about that in my mm. show because, you know, it's, um, it's not always that funny, you know. Sure. So, um. Is it know, about, um, life after divorce? So dating, dating apps, all Absolutely. of that stuff. Because it's all changed so it's much. So much. Because we never had online dating. No. In our days. And I, no. Like, I did resist, you know, online dating for a while. And I As did, older people, I think always yeah. do resist it yeah, at, yeah, at yeah. first. Yeah. And like I had a, a comedy buddy, like I've got a dating buddy now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, she sort of convinced me and helped me sort of set up my profile. And, yeah, I sort of was I, – I dated a couple of guys my age, but it just didn't – I just didn't like it. You know, yeah, I just, right. They were, you know, quite um, – uh, I sort of say in my show that, you know, they were sort of trying to set the terms of the relationship and assess me for marriage potential before we'd even met. Oh, really? And, and I was so frightened of getting hurt, you know. So, and oh, then, wow. Yeah, and I noticed my, my friend had, had set her demographics. She's a few years younger than me, but she'd set her demographics a bit younger and she was showing me the fellow she'd been chatting to. I'm like, hello. <laughs> so I went a bit younger. I went to be a eight-year-old. And then that went quite well. And so then I went even younger, down to 30-year-olds. And, and it was just, it's quite, I think there was quite, especially in the first couple of years, I didn't really want anything too serious. So no. it was kind of quite nice. And I think probably the guys, you know, 30, mid-30-year-old guys don't really want something serious either. So, yeah, I, I thought it was quite a, it's quite a good, 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 <coughs> good match, I think. Well, as long as it works for all the parties yeah, involved. Yeah, exactly. As long as no one's getting hurt, I think. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. As long as everyone's honest from the yeah, word go about yeah. what it's all about. That's, that's yeah. great. Passion and connection, you know. I think that's, that's you know, that, that age gap. And, you know, you sort of see, you know, it's, it's, I think it's the norm when a, a guy gets separated and starts dating younger women. Um, and I just think it's like, 
I think a lot of women are doing it too, but perhaps not talking about it. So hopefully my show will demystify that a little bit. And just, you know, you hear about divorced women and, and they're all, some of them are so depressed and sad. And I want to sort of just show people it doesn't have to be like that. You know, you don't have to put yourself in a hole and never go out. Like, you know, why would you do that? You know, I think I'm having the time of my life, really. <laughs> well, I, could, I could tell that when I saw you on stage. Because <laughs> I've seen you on stage at Yes All Women when you were still married and you were Marilyn Toffler. Right. And that, great. I used to do yoga fine. gags, didn't I? Oh, I that's right, you did too, Lululemon. Yeah, 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 farting and all that yoga sort of class. stuff, that's so, right. Like, the Taylor Swift song, instead of Shake It Off, I used to do, like, th- that you blew one off. Oh, that's <laughs> right, yoga. that's right, that's right. That was always fun. Like, I used to get bikers come up to me and say, hi, Maz, you know, I, I do a bit of yoga myself. So that was a really good leveller, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I found what you did at First Friday had more passion to it. Good. Yeah. Nice, it, and it was like there was some there was an there's this energy to it that you didn't have before. Interesting. And yes. it was a strong it was like, I've got something to say. I think it's really that I have no fear now. Like I you know, I'm divorced. I've unfortunately lost both of my parents. So I don't have anyone saying you can't do that, you know? Like right. yeah. And I think that's it, you know, there's there's was I, there a little voice in your head before that for that sure. of, sort of sort of good Jewish girl? You know, good Jewish oh. girls don't get up and you know talk about that sort of stuff. But eh, it's all right. Um, you know, it's there's like, nobody um, there to limit you anymore. No, I love my children. I love my children. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. oh my god, teenagers equally parts proud and mortified. You know, but they don't do they come out and see you gig? Oh well, not this one, that's for sure. But my my daughter actually helped do the fart sound effects for, for the Taylor Swift song, <laughs> but for the backing um, track for the, for the backing track. But um, now this one, my my son and his friends looked up Milk Next Door, and unfortunately, unfortunately, they didn't put the word comedy or put my name in it, and they got another video that um he's doing it all the time. <laughs> so, I think I know which kind of video. Yeah, right. There's a lot of them out there. So I know. So I do warn my my audience that that always gets a bit of a laugh. <laughs> A friend brought brought a um, quite a like a lovely girl, but a conservative gal came to see my gig, and she loved it. But she said, "Oh, she didn't know what milf milf stood for. She thought it was like mother in law, or you know." Really? So, so, so when people ask, I say, "Oh, you know, it's mum. Mum, I'd like to um, be friends with." <laughs> <laughs> I never talk about it, what it is, what it stands for. But but I did have a young guy say to me, he goes, you're like, you're, he said, oh, I, I like you because, you know, you seem really, really nice but also naughty. He goes, you're like the MILF next door. And I like that, so naughty but nice because it's like the girl next door, but it's yeah. the MILF next door. So, yeah. so that's how I came up with that that title. And my son said, can't you call it something else? I, I don't think I can. Like, I don't think anything could suit it so well. You no, know? no, yeah. I think it's a great name. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Because the word MILF, if you know what it means and you have a bit of a giggle, because there's an acronym, you're not actually saying no. a swear word or anything no. like that right no. there. And most younger people, I'd imagine, know what that means. Yeah. You know, um, maybe some old, I would have thought everybody knows what that means, but then it just shows There's that, a bit of a chuckle, I think, amongst, you know, the, the, the young guys, you know, when, yes. when they do that. And, and I think it's funny, like, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, oh, it's very cheeky and it's, yeah. and it's also going... Oh gosh, it's just admitting to this is this is how life goes. This is just what we you know, um, like there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing there's, wrong with it. There's no one that finds the whole thing funnier than me, the idea of young guys having the hots for me. Like it's just crazy. Like 
Does that you give know. you a bit of energy and a oh, bit of confidence yeah. and make you feel really good about yourself? Hell yeah. And I mean, you know, the young guys sort of say, I think young, I think the girls their age are, are kind of so caught up on image and, you know, right. and um, what is it, material possessions and, right. you know, we're not really into that, you know, mm. we just just out to, um, you know, I, th- I think it's also the, the warmth as well. <laughs> it's we provide the warmth that only a mother can give, you know. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. You know, what do the, what the, what the young guys see in a, you know, a 50-year-old Jewish mother? Well, mm. you know, let me tell you, you know, a, a Jewish mum will feed you a delicious multi-course meal, bring you to orgasm, and then criticise your performance. <laughs> That's great. Great. I take it that's in your show. That would have to be in your show. That is awesome. One thing I think that um, older women do provide uh, is we're general. well, hopefully, generally we're a bit more confident in ourselves. Yeah. Because we've been around, we've had children, we have had to manage all these situations, yeah. finances, marriage, children. That's it. no, it's a big deal. We've had to grow up. Yeah. And yeah. do all this stuff. And not not sweat the small stuff either. Yeah. Yeah. And then women that's an opportunity to have a good time. We do have a good time mm. because it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh we can relax. The stereotype about the divorced woman that like a bit of a firecracker you know isn't that sort of i like, believe so uh, i yeah. guess so but i don't know like is that i mean surely we've all everyone's got that in them but maybe you know if you've been married for so long I don't well I don't know. Eva, i'm still married and i find the comedy scene great for yeah, getting out and having a good time untethered yes because you're still pursuing your passion yep and, and then ev- you bring that back to the bedroom <laughs> Exactly. Look, if I didn't have comedy and a, and a fun life, yeah. I, I think I'd be quite depressed, yeah. to be yeah. honest. And I've got to say, it does take a certain fella to be able to cope with that. Like, I've, I've noticed, you know, if I am online and chatting to people, like, some guys get quite intimidated by it, the fact... By you being a comedian? Yes, like, some really? feel like they have to compete with me and, oh. and bring the funny. It's like, nah, like, just do it. You know, if you're funny, great. But don't try, don't try and be funnier than me. That's like, don't compete with me. That's, that just feels kind of weird, you know. So so those ones I probably unmatch. But then, but some guys are just naturally funny and that's lovely. And some guys, but I did once have a guy saying, oh my God, you, you, you're you a lecturer and you're a performer. Um, I find that a bit intimidating. I'm like, oh, well, you're not for me. <laughs> you're not for no. me. I, we shouldn't have to lessen ourselves to, you know. To, I think, to make other people feel comfortable. What's that thing about the, what's that line about the most, what is it that, that men, women fear that, that a guy will murder them, men fear that a woman will laugh at them. Right, right. Mm. Yeah, that, uh, well, yeah. that would be uh, at them. At them. If they can't tell what the difference. I say? Well, no, that's love, correct. Yeah, no, that is them. correct, yeah. that that is their greatest fear. Yeah. But if you're being funny, one would expect you to hope to laugh with them. Yeah. Yeah. But then that depends on who the butt of the joke is, is of course. But um, if they can't differentiate between being laughed at and laughing with someone, and you know, Mimi, um, who's the last person, Mimi Shaheen, she said in our podcast that she was engaged for a number of years when she was in her early to mid-20s and she'd make her fiancé's friends laugh 
and he would just say, she's not funny. He was not comfortable with her being funny. Uh. So it's interesting you point that out as well, that there are some guys who are not comfortable with you being funny. Well, but, he obviously wasn't for her, right? <laughs> yeah, they ended up breaking yeah. up. If you listen to the podcast, yeah, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. quite the thing. Yeah. You know, they'd already booked everything. Oh, my God. They'd booked two months right. out. But, yeah, have a listen to it. It's quite the story. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Uh, to be able to be herself. Yeah. To be able to do, not to, to not and, feel like, yeah. yeah. And I think that's like, you know, like it's very lovely that you said, you know, you felt there was that energy of me performing now. And I think that's it now that I'm a bit older. I do feel like, like I'm comfortable in my own skin and I, I don't mind, like, but Pete Murphy um, said to me that it's like I have no filter now. I can yeah. just say it and it's, it's fine. Like it's, it's. It's great. It is great. It is a bit liberating being divorced. <laughs> so, oh, I can yeah. imagine. Honestly, yeah. I sometimes step back, even though I love my husband. I have said to him, "You do realise I'd have more time for comedy if I was divorced." Ah, oh, but I think also, like, I mean, obviously, he supports you, and yeah, you know, and um, yeah, we I, want to be together. We make each other laugh. Yeah, good. Well, that's it. You have, I mean, yeah, that's, that's... and he's not threatened by it, and he makes backing tracks for my shows. Wonderful. And, oh, you know, it, I mean. Laughter's such an aphrodisiac too, isn't it? You know. Well, like... not when you're right there. <laughs> I have had it that I've had a funny thought right in the middle of it, and it puts me off. <laughs> oh, you got to laugh. Sex is funny. <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely is a wonderful way to connect with your partner. Yeah, for sure. You know, and our for son sure. gets in on it. We, we make up silly songs, and you know, it keeps you bonded and it keeps you together. <laughs> stuff you know but Um, you're not definitely not the only person that has been inspired by being recently divorced if you look at Nikki Barry and Lucy Best and Justine Sless yes that is her surname isn't it they're doing a show together they did one uh in the last comedy festival or fringe festival it's called Unbridled. Oh, yeah, we'll have to check that out. Yeah. I Yes, a different kind. I think it's got a different tone to yeah. your show, um, but it's definitely about life after divorce. Yeah, good. And that there is still life after divorce and that you're not lessened by divorce. No, no. You know, which I think gets no, people I get worried about that. I actually felt the opposite. I felt like, um, like it was, I, we split up just before lockdown and I did feel kind of, like the the weight of you know the weight was lifted from my shoulders and it was kind of nice in being in lockdown you know with the kids and you know it was kind of it was a it was a joyous time you know <laughs> so you were here at home with the kids yeah. during lockdown because yeah. you've got your kids are now sixteen and 16 eighteen and eighteen did you, did you say yeah. yeah yeah and so were you already separated from your husband at that point or two already divorced before, two weeks before lockdown he, yeah we separated in so retrospect I got out just in just time. in time. Because if you were just about to divorce, that would have been a bad... You hear horrible stories of people that split up during lockdown. Could you imagine being stuck in the same house with someone? That that you were no longer fond of. I also heard of people that actually separated but couldn't... They they were stuck in the same house. That would be awful. That would just be awful. That would be awful. Yeah. Yeah. So So that was very fortunate Mm. that that was the case. Just the timing, you know, just... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's not great. (laughs) 
but you it's know. It's funny though, you know, when people say, you know, you're divorced and, you know, some people say, I'm so sorry, and one girl did a little dance. I'm like, thank you, that's the response <laughs> that I want. You know? Well, I remember when Justine Slest first told me she had gotten divorced, and my response is always, oh no, like, right. and she looked at me and she goes, <laughs> it's okay, Pradeepa. <laughs> It's okay. She was accompanying yeah, me. Sometimes people would be like, they put a, they they do the face and they would see me beaming and they're like, oh, I'm so happy about. I said you're okay. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's not all good. You know what I mean? Like, not, no, yeah, I didn't to mean that. I think the hardest part is that is the leading up to it. But then once the decision's made, then it, it was definitely the right the right choice. So well, what yeah. I mean by it's all good yeah. is you're not suffering terribly. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Look, I don't know. It's not all good. That was a bad thing to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but you're getting through it. Well, I think laughter is much better than anger, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know. You can, yeah. Yeah. You, know, well, you, think... fuel, you can fuel anger in different ways. And, you know, there's a time, there's a time you know, during the, the process that I was quite angry about certain things. But, you know, I've, I'm, I've always been the sort of person that, like, I think I have a good sort of mental state, you know, that I'm able to laugh about difficult things things you know and what's the best way to get through them yeah you know have my good support network my my you know good gals that you know are sort of there that i can you know laugh with and cry with and all of that well that makes all the difference absolutely yeah it really does and the other thing is is that the fact that you're a a lecturer and you have got your own career yeah true i think uh women that are more people that are more dependent on another person to find you know that they don't have their own income it can be a lot more difficult yeah you know so um did you find so has that been the impetus for your show that this whole experience was anger yeah. uh, was that a driving force oh, at I all i find sometimes it yeah, can be maybe like uh some of my, I think some of my jokes have come out of a, maybe a place of anger, but it's not an angry show at all. No. Like, it's not angry at all, but it's just it's just the way I process. Like, sometimes I can laugh at maybe inappropriate moments. Yeah, we all do. My mum used to do it too. We'd be at funerals and she'd be trying to make us laugh. You know, like, stop it, mother. You know? It's really? It's inappropriate. But anyway, I don't know. It's just something. I think it's us Jews have that in us, you know. Laughing at a stressful <laughs> moment. At, yeah, yeah. I think that's how we've survived persecution is to be able to laugh about things. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, literally, I just would – I just – write things down as, and I'd just say things to my friends and they'd laugh and I'm like, oh, okay, that's funny. Okay, I'll write that down and, you know. It is um, a... And then I've structured it into a show. I've got a good instinct with, like, the shape, you know, shaping of things. And, you know, I wondered with all those scratchy notes, would that make a show? But somehow it did. I haven't used much of my old material. I've just used the um, the Amy Winehouse rehab song that I all right. about, that you might remember. Do you do a parody of that? Yeah, it was like instead of trying to make me go to rehab, it's like the guys tried to make me do anal, but I said no, oh. no, no. So I used to use that, like I do remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I put that in the show, but it's more like looking back, like like now that I'm fifty, I want to be more sexually adventurous, but but I'm attracting younger guys that respect me too much. <laughs> Well, when I was younger, it was a different story, and then I launched into that song. So I think that's all. Oh, there's a little bit. I think one of my opening lines is perhaps the old show, but yeah, pretty much it's all new materials. <laughs> that's so awesome. You just seem unleashed. Thank you. I feel a bit unleashed. I'm yeah. Untethered. Yeah, yeah. Unhinged. <laughs> unhinged. <laughs> it's all, I think it's all a, 
a good thing. I think we need to be free. Yeah. We and that's when and that's a great. It's almost like a dam bursting in, yeah. sort of a way. Yeah. And you've got all this creative energy just flying. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to your show. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. You. I'm looking forward to yours too. Oh yeah. And also having you MC on Tuesday night. At, I'm looking um, forward. King of Tonga. King of yeah, Tonga. So, Tell me more of how has this occurred? You've come back onto the scene with a new show yeah. and a room. Um, all yeah. this fresh, unbridled, <laughs> untethered energy. Yeah. Well, I guess I just I was looking for a venue for my show, and I ended up um, I, I I yeah visited King of Tonga, and I really love the the room. It's such a warm, beautiful tiki bar. You know, we call yeah. it the Tonga room. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it wasn't quite right for my show. I'm actually doing my comedy festival show at um, the Classic Cinema Jazz Bar, Classic Southside upstairs. A really gorgeous, intimate bar. Where is so that? I haven't. I've not heard of that before. Well, Elstonwick. Yeah, you know, there's the Classic and the Lido, and that's yeah. Um, there's a and uh, one in Belgrave as well. Um, but yeah, the classic. The Lido does beautiful. comedy, don't yeah, they? Yeah, 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 And um, so yeah, I'll be at the classic um, cinema upstairs. Um, In Elstonwick. Yep, Tuesday and Wednesday during the festival, and then the twenty first and the twenty oh. third will be a Thursday and and Saturday. But yeah, I'll be on for three weeks there. But um, yeah, so um, yeah. That's great. Well, I'll put, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll yeah. put all of that. I'll get the. Po- You've got a poster. I've seen your flyer. It's great. It's oh, thank gorgeous. You. Thank you. Me in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, and we can. Um, I'll put that image up with our selfies. Thank you. When I promote yeah, the, the podcast. And, and I'll put a link to on, your show. Thank you, darling. And bring yeah. your flyers on Tuesday. So, yeah, Tuesday nights at the King of Tonga. Um, like I said, I love the room and I just a lot of comics wanted to, you know, try out new material. So, we've, yeah, we've just um, every Tuesday leading up to the festival, we've got different comics Um all previewing their festival shows because you know there's there's been a few less rooms over the last year you know yeah rooms and, because of COVID, yeah, yeah. And traditionally people would go and do open mic nights before their festival shows just to try yeah. out new material there's not many of them anymore is there so, not as many yeah and i just look it'd be nice to have my own room and you know sort of curated and you know book people and so it's been lovely it's our, our third week coming up and um it's been really lovely great crowd really beautiful warm engaged people and Steve Whitty has the bar has been very very supportive of us and um fantastic so you started is it weekly or monthly yeah weekly weekly, monthly monthly would be a lot easier but you know we we're sort of running out of time before the festival you know we we just want to geek as much as we can so most of us will do a combination of um you know tried and tested material as well as new stuff so it's kind of an exciting night you never know what you're going to get sometimes it can be a bit shambolic but it's always really fun and you know isn't that the nature of comedy yeah yeah so it'll be great to have you mc for women's day on the oh yes the 8th i think the 8th yes um the 8th of march March? yeah yeah well um thank you for inviting me to mc i'm very happy to do so thanks for agreeing (laughs) (laughs) yeah how have you found Running a room, because um, there's a bit of admin involved. There's yeah, a fair yeah. bit of organisation involved. And... Even, you know, I get out there, I'm like on the ground, you know, sticking up posters, you know, and um, yeah, doing social media posts, booking comics. Um, yeah. yeah, just, I mean, I've had more comics than I can actually put on. I've, I've yeah. made a conscious decision not to put on too many every week. I, I would rather, because yeah. often the nights are, you know, when you do a, a room, you often only get, you know, five to seven minutes, but I want yeah. comics to have a bit longer to sort of, you know, play with, so 10 to 12 minutes. And I normally book four or five per night, um, yeah. plus the MC. So, um, yeah, unfortunately I haven't been able to put everyone on, but I've only 
Bali. Um, I've only booked people that have comedy festival shows. So, yeah. You know, we might, you know, we'll see how it goes. We may continue after the festival and then, you know, I can open it up to other comics. But I think it's just, there's too many of us that, that need a stage at the moment to, yeah. you know, to preview our, our, our So there's no, there's shows. a, it's an unknown, you're, book, you're booked people up until the end of the until comedy I think festival? It's the, no, until the 29th of March. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't And then you've got yeah. your own show coming <laughs> up, you've got to deal with it's, all it's that. It's quite a lot. Like, I mean, on the, you know, I'm even now like I'm, I'm working on new material plus you know running the room or you know booking that's a booking lot apps. it's a lot to do you it know? is a lot so to do and there's a lot of admin involved a lot of admin you know just you know and social media as well so, yeah um, that's something we didn't have to deal with pre-social media I'm finding as well I mean I'm doing it with Artie and right. Lisa and we're sharing the load which makes me you know admire the way that you're doing it on your own because yeah there's the admin and then there's this social media is not something we had to deal with 20 years no, ago and it's yes. time consuming it you need to make your presence known true, true and also you know but also you know we have to be be able to like video and cut and I'm, I'm not a great editor you know by any means yeah so, me neither you know, I'm not so. great on that technology have you become familiar with the technology oh I can like very basic you mm, know I, I find it time consuming even, a, even when there's a film lecture I mean I, I, I lecture in you know writing directing but it's not editing you know yeah so, yeah, that's the you hands know, My kids are probably better at that than I am. <laughs> so, well, technology but, moves so fast. Yeah, so quickly. So, yeah, so there's all of that involved as well. Um, but, like, it helps having a PR background. Like, I do I do quite enjoy the promotional side of things, but I do find yeah. it a little – it's a bit draining in terms of energy, that's all. Like, yeah. And it's, you know, it's always easier to promote somebody else than promote yourself. That's yeah. Cool. But, like, I've – yeah, I – you know, I'm going to do some hand-to-hand flyering and – yeah, because I did. I did notice the last show we did um, back. What was that? About five years ago. I I did notice the flyering. You know, I chat to people, and it's much better than just some student that's handing out flyers. You know. Oh yeah. Not, you know. That, so that doesn't we... know the person. You know, it's good to actually be there chatting to the people about your show, and they get so excited when they realise they're actually chatting to the comic, and then. I was so surprised when I, you know, turn up to a gig and they'd be there. You yeah, know? Right. That's how it really works. And they say hi, like they know me, and of course we did. It's lovely. It is. It's great when yeah, they turn up because then you've got an you've got this connection with them before the show's already started. Yeah. So they're already on your side. And... Yeah, that's right. Because I've come to see you. Mm. I remember um, at Dirty Secrets a while back. Um, there were three. There were some people upstairs out on the on the street. They were sitting outside on the tables outside drinking, and I asked them to come downstairs for the show. <laughs> and they did. And when I got on, I already felt that connection with them because Wonderful. they'd come down at my request. So I felt like, I was like, thank you so much. And it yeah. was a genuine feeling, you know. Yeah. So we're, this but year they won't be having flyering out the front of the town hall. Apparently not at the town hall. Um, <coughs> I'm going to be doing it in Elston Week. Come down so and you, see me. But you know, so I'll you'd be, be doing it out at the front of the venue? Yeah, I'll do it out the front of the venue. Maybe even go down, you know, the Glen Huntley Road and... Handed out to some shoppers beforehand. We'll see. I'll, I'll pick my, you know, pick my audience. You know, I'll see yeah. what films are coming out and see if I can get a good, you know, a good good audience fit to to hand them out to. So yeah. what? Because the well, I guess 
you know, I'm thinking, well, who would be interested? You know, I'm thinking, well, what sort of crowd is going to be interested in, um, you know, a 50-year-old mm. mum talking about dating? You know, yeah. and I think it's, it's I think because I think mine's got a fairly wide demographic because there's the young guys as well, yeah, you know, yeah. so the young girls and, you know, it's like, oh, that's like my mum, you know, that's funny. My, yeah. my mum talking about dating. Yeah. My mum talking about sex. Wow, that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God it's someone else's mum and not my mum. <laughs> <laughs> So, do you do stuff like do you post photos of yourself and stuff on social media leading up to it? Um, well, yeah, I've got like my promo shots, but also you know shots of gigs that I've been doing, and so you do a little bit of Hell that. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Yeah, I do got that. It. Yeah, for sure. And I'm just also thinking like there's that balance because I'm promoting the room at Tonga and. Um, now we've sort of got the crowd there and now I'm going to have to, because it's a month before Comedy Festival, I'm going to have to bump up the, the um, you know, the promotion of my festival show now. Yeah. So it's really time to get out and do some of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was just when I was, because we've both done shows under the um, free comedy banner. Mm. And I think back when in 2017 it was still more flyering. But I find as time's gone on, because what, that's five years ago, mm. believe it or not. Yes social media in my More experience so. has become so much yeah. the dominant promotion way right. of promoting yeah I, I think so too not saying that flyering isn't <clears throat> effective because yeah. clearly it is from what you said <gasps> but i just found that the people that also had a handle on the social media were getting doing big really well. doing like full yeah. houses and stuff like yeah. that and it's like wow there's that but that takes something mm. a, a, Photos, I think, are a bit easier. Actually, doing the videos, then you got to do that, the the uh, editing, as you mm. were saying. And I've tried my hand at it and done it, but just found that because I'm not learning it at a younger age, it's taken me longer oh, to yeah. learn. Yeah, but I, I'm going to do that this week. I'll put up like a two minute video. I think um, you know, because I've done some, some nice gigs and you know, yeah. And you have to pick the right bit too. Like you don't yeah. want to give away too much. No, that's I think it's true. Short and. And just a bit that sort of sums up your show. So I've, I've, got, I've had some thoughts about what I'm going to use. Actually, I might, yeah, I think I'm going to use one of the ones from Elwood. Um, yeah. Look back. Um, most of the time I video stuff just for me, you know, just for my, you know, for the development of the show. But I think, yeah, I think there's some, some bits that I might and also I've seen there's um, on the actual Melbourne International Comedy Festival site where they list all the different shows mm. you can uh, put a podcast in there we should definitely so yeah I've got to ask the people that I'm not sure whether you can put up a specific episode or just a podcast right. and all of its episodes so I guess I need to get uh, have a link. Oh, no, you can have your link to it on yes. online. You know how they've got all the, yes. They've got, you know, Facebook, Insta, so mm. yeah, Spotify. I don't know if Spotify is one, but... But there is one, there that. is a bit there yeah. at, at your listing where you can Good. upload a, a, a podcast. So if you really? don't, don't have another one to upload, you could upload Uncomfortable yeah. Truths. Cool. I should probably contact all my previous guests and yeah, ask them to upload them it. But there's also a place you can upload a video. Yes. And I've watched Unbridled, for example. Yeah. And they've got like a one-minute video of the three of them on stage saying who they are, Mm. so a little bit of their show, just a little snippet. I saw Mimi did a good one this week too. She put up up, 
um, something that I think she did at the Comics Lounge, and it was just perfect, you know. Oh, right, connected to her listing. Uh, yes, yes. I think it came up on Facebook, but I right. think it was part of her listing. I think she just yeah. put it up this week. So it's like the comedy festival are also becoming savvy to the fact Absolutely. that little video clips yeah. and little um, podcast clips uh, can give people an idea of what your show's about to decide whether they yeah. want to come and see it, which yeah. makes sense, doesn't it? And I like it? the photos too, how they have the photos scrolling through. It looks really cute, so the photos become like a little film as well. You know? Oh, I haven't seen that function. Have you seen that? If you have a few, if you've, if you've loaded a few different photos, it, it, they move, they move through it. It's really ah. cute. Yeah. I'll have to have a look at ours and see what, what's going on. So what I'm also seeing is that it's a bother learning all the technology, but if you do, it can be of great benefit, mm. which is making me keep having to learn well, maybe stuff. that's the next course you and i do we'll do what what course we'll is a, that we'll do it we'll do a, an editing for social media we should do do they actually have courses oh, sure they would online courses i don't know we'll find something <laughs> we'll get, been... we get our kids to teach us how about yeah that? Well, I... <laughs> get our kids to run the course yeah, <laughs> if anybody out there knows <laughs> Of a uh, editing for social media course, please let us know. Oh yeah, how are we going for time? Oh, we've still got time. Got heaps of time. Got, by the way, the banana cake you made oh, is delicious. I'm so happy when it was warm and oh, we've been still, so much. It's I was fun. so I was so impressed when you said I'm baking, and um, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's baking. I know. Have to um <laughs> keep up that milk image. <laughs> so do you feed? Um, that's a question when you when you have a date. Uh, with a younger man, do you sometimes feed him? Okay, so lockdown, that was um, because I was seeing a guy for about a year and our first date was actually a walk. Remember we all... all, all Yes, with a mask on. The mask walk, yeah, with the dog, you know, the dog and the chaperone. Um, (laughs) I saw so many of those people in the bar. You can always tell. You can always tell. We were walking around with coffee cups filled with sales. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. That Ormond Road Elwood was doing a great trade with that. Um, And then, yeah, no, and then we did actually (coughs) come back for dinner. Right. But, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't do that normally, would you? Like, it would take a while to have somebody, you know, come for dinner. Like, it's sort of, yeah. Oh, it's been so long since I haven't dated for 26 years. And there was the the Dan Andrews Intimate Partnership Clause, which was quite merciful, really, but quite... Well, you to have, have a, a bubble you have buddy? The bubble you? buddy, you can have the bubble buddy or the intimate partner. So I don't know, like, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, I was seeing a guy for about a year and like, I wonder, would we have been seeing each other so long if we, if we weren't in lockdown, you wonder? Yeah, right, because if you you're know, not in lockdown, there's more yeah. opportunities to and, meet up with people and go to yeah. bars and, and whatever. it's always crazy online that the night before we, we'd be going back into lockdown, everyone was going around trying to find an intimate partner. Like, it was just crazy. So, I what? noticed all these guys that had been quiet all of a sudden were trying to pin me down, you know. So um, what was the intimate partner clause? It was like, well, you and your husband, well, I guess your husband's different. Well, because we lived in the same they, abode. I mean, there was, some people thought it was stupid, but you could actually go out of your, remember there was the, the what's the ring of steel? You could travel. The five kilometres. You could go past that if you had an intimate partner. That's what he called it. Oh, so did was you? A bubble buddy. You could choose. It was either a bubble buddy or an intimate partner. And did you have to register who you were? <laughs> <laughs> Was there a register? <laughs> I think you were only allowed one. You know? So, like, was it? I was just like, because the only reason you'd 
You get caught going out of your five kilometre zone would be if you got pulled over by the police, which I never heard of anybody getting pulled over by the police, by the way. Because <laughs> I do know people that, you know, were going out of their 5Ks. Mm. So you just had to self-monitor, did mm. you? Mm. You weren't, Were you allowed to change who your in, intimate partner was? Oh, yeah, I don't know, like, how long. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I well, was, that was my intimate partner oh, yesterday. Deeper, I'm not a super spreader. Like, <laughs> I wasn't trying to get you in trouble. <laughs> I was just wondering, you know, how they would um, enforce those kind well, of rules. I, I do know one time, it was like, it was one time I did break the um, the, the 8pm curfew driving home um, after I'd sp- spent some time with the fella and I wasn't quite ready to sleep over and I had a cop car follow me for a bit of the way, but I sort of said, he, he sort of looked with satisfaction on my face and let me go home to have a nice cup of tea and a good rest. <laughs> Poor mama, you know. <laughs> The glow yeah. gave it away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. One night I was out doing the first podcast I ever did was with Sophie Prince, who you would have known oh, from Yes All yeah, Women. Course. Yeah. And it was just, she was packing up because she's moved to Muldura. Really? Right? Yeah. And so she's not doing comedy I I at the moment. Yeah, yeah, she hasn't been in Melbourne since. Well, this was at the towards the end of lockdown last year, so we're talking what September. I'd have to look back at when it was released, right? Anyway, so but I did it during, I did it during lockdown. So I suppose theoretically I shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. But I did it at eight o'clock at night and drove home at eleven. And um, she lives in North, lived in Northcote. I live in North Fitzroy. And it wasn't this when far. We had the curfew. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I'm driving home. There's hardly anyone on the road. Mm. It was the only time I did it. Felt really naughty, right? Mm. Anyway, no cops all the way home. It was only a 15-minute drive mm. until I pulled into my street. Oh, really? Yeah. I pulled into my street and we, in, I'm in a terrace house. So we don't have a driveway or a garage or anything like that. So we have to park on the street, right? And so I'm driving from one end of the... The cops were down the other end of the street. They'd parked. They were somewhere. They were in with some people somewhere. Mm. And so I'm driving down my street hoping to find a park before I have to get close to the cops. And I couldn't find a park. And I thought, and I'm like, just, it was this, like, like in a movie, like I was just about to have to go past them and I was getting very nervous because they could just flag me down. I had no real excuse for being out late. And just, just as I'm just on, just about at the cops and to the right there's a park that had been covered by the previous car and I just pull into that car yeah. park, turned off my lights yeah. and I leaned down so nobody could see there was a person in the car and for about five right. minutes I'm just like lying down in my car going, are they gone? <laughs> are they there? Would I get arrested? Am I being silly? Like I didn't know what how much they were enforcing that curfew. Because you could go like for work. Like I, I had to get like a, I had to take one of my kids to, you know, they've got an after school job at KFC that would sometimes finish, you know, the shift would finish at eight and so I'd have to pick them up, you know, and drive after eight. Yeah. But I'd get a little permit, like they'd, every week they'd, they'd send me a permit. So, oh, KFC so I, would give you a permit? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, they, my, one of my kids would. That would showed that the shift didn't, yeah. hadn't finished till like so, 30 and yeah, all that so, stuff. Yeah, so I mean the first few times I did that I felt a bit odd, but there were always cars on the road, so there were, there were people driving. There was the odd car when I drive home that yeah. night, and I've, 
I know, look, I'm not going to name it, the person, but he was, a friend of mine was walking around the city late at night. Right. And ah. the, he said he walked past police and they didn't even bother him. I must say, I do look, look back on that time with a bit of nostalgia, the, the simpleness of it all, wasn't it? It was like a simple time, you know. We got it to, really was. We got to, you know, regroup with your family, you know, at home and things were, things were uncomplicated, <laughs> you know. Now we're sort of back and out, and which is great too, but, you know, things are getting more hectic again, aren't they? Well, it's either all on... Or yeah. all off. That's it. There's no, like when we were in lockdown, when we were in that first long lockdown, I was like, I think I need to restructure my life. So, you know, this somewhere in between this and my regular life would be good. A lot of people feel like that. Yeah. And then you go, and then it comes back and it's like you got no choice. Mm-hmm. It's like five basketballs on. All right, three nights of practice, two yeah. games. Oh, gigs are out. Gigs are out. Oh, we're on. Great. We've got a lot to make up for, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, there doesn't appear to be a middle ground. And mm. I do look back sometimes with nostalgia. In mm. fact, I found it harder coming out of lockdown than going into lockdown. Right. And I'm not one of those people that's addicted to gigging. I can easily go for quite a while without gigging, but it's when I see everybody else is gigging yeah. and I'm not. That's when I'm like, <laughs> I've got to get back there. That's where you get your FOMO. It's FOMO. Because I'm used to be like, and I still am, like I'm quite a social person, but I'm actually fine with staying home now. I don't feel like I have to go out, you know, all the time. Yeah. And I quite enjoy staying home and, you know, working on my show or putting on Netflix or something, you know, and I, it's quite normal. Like, it's fine. Mm. It's fine. I feel that way as well. Yeah. I could easily, like, just stay at home and keep watching House of Cards with Clinton <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. But there is that feeling... For to do well, if I was to do that, and I suspect if you were to do that without having something on the go creatively, you'd feel like you right. were, you maybe were stagnating. Okay. Do you feel like that a bit? Too? Oh, just like when um, I mean, I had COVID. We both got COVID at the same gig. Oh, we got it at the same gig. Yeah, we did. Same microphone. Camaraderie. Camaraderie to the end. Share and share alike, eh? Yeah. And it's and I was I was too sick to work but i wasn't too sick to watch netflix but that oh, it's draining i think when you when your life is just centered around netflix it's quite you know you, you miss human contact i think when you're you know when you're at home for an extended period um so i was quite happy after that week to get out again you know? oh yeah yeah me too have a bit of strength back well, I think the difference, there's a quite, I found quite a difference between being at home when everyone was at home mm. and being at home with COVID when everybody else is still doing their thing. Right. I felt like, I call it, you know how they call it the great, some people have called it the great reset. Oh. I actually call it the big rest. Big rest. That's death. <laughs> <laughs> the big rest. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> well, to me, it was like it was like a big rest because there was nowhere you had to be. There was you know you didn't have to take the kids to school, didn't have to make lunch, didn't feel do any gigs or feel like I was missing out on anything by not doing gigs. I wouldn't want it to go on forever. No, but I, for a period of time, it wasn't yeah, so bad. I tell you, I did find that last one really difficult because I. I didn't know how long it was going to go for and we'd been there before and I got, I, I, I don't suffer from depression, but I was starting to get a bit weepy. It was really weird. Really? Yeah. I could feel just sometimes like tears would just come. It wasn't like I'd burst into tears, but all of a sudden like, like tears would come and I would weep. Yeah. Interesting. And then when we heard, 
in a couple of weeks we were going to be let out or there was there was talk that we were you know we were getting that whatever it was how many percentage was that were vaccinated yeah because we needed to 70 or 80 percent or whatever that's right then i knew oh there's there's some light at the end of the tunnel you know it's right. not going to go forever like, yeah. yeah i did find that one quite difficult um but it was like two weeks before we got let out i actually started feeling normal again so just that having that bit of hope was really important yeah, I think if what lies, I used to do landmark courses, which are, I don't know if you've heard of landmark, it's self-development sort of stuff, right. becoming aware of yourself oh. and what, oh, yeah. you know, we found them very helpful, Clint and I were going through a difficult time, fighting a lot, and it helped us be responsible for ourselves and right. what what's under the surface and stuff like that. You know, why did I tell you about Landmark? Uh... <laughs> Not just me, but your audience as well, that's all. Uh, yes, yeah, so well, all of you. Uh, I've, I do this in podcasts all the time. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm telling you. That's great. That's why we love you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm normal. We're, we're, where were you we? You and I are like that anyway. We're oversharers, you know. Oh, shit, Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they, look, I can't remember what the point now was with the podcast, with the um, uh, landmark. Were we talking about sharing? Were we talking about, don't know? I'm just going to leave you to it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember, that's all right, all good. No, we're just talking about... Oh, coming um, out of, po- coming out of, uh, coming out of lockdown. lockdown and getting connect. Yeah. We need to connect with people. Being face-to-face mm. with people is a very different experience. Yes, yes. I found being in lockdown a bit like hibernating, mm. to tell you the truth. And I'd always try and take on some sort of project at home. Yeah, good. Whether it was writing or we found a, a, a website called selfauthoring.com.au, or not a .au, just selfauthoring.com, where you were writing out your past, future, virtues and faults. And it's about... Oh, amazing. Ba- oh, it's fantastic. Powerful. Yes, very powerful. What was it? Past? Future. future virtues, virtues and, and faults. Yeah. And you can start wherever you like. I didn't start with faults because I wasn't feeling so good about myself at the time. It's mindfulness, isn't it? Because mindfulness is there's no past, there's no future. It's just now. You know, yeah, just right. concentrate. That's like my yoga background. You know, I try and focus on just what's now. That's because interesting. Because if you think about the past or the future, you get anxious. You know, you, or you could get anxious. Um, yeah, yeah, you could get anxious. What this does, I started with my virtues. Yes. And what I found through, and it's not just writing out whatever you like. There's a whole bunch, it's like a multi-choice right. with virtues and faults. And there are some choices in there I normally would not have thought of. Like, yeah, because it's done, it's a psychologist who's designed yeah. the whole thing. And some of the things are things you just take for granted, like being good with children. Yes. Um, and some of the ones that made me think my podcast would be good would be being a good listener, uh, being to, being able to elevate a conversation. Yeah. Um, those were the two that, and another one that made me go, hey, maybe I would be a good podcaster because I can listen, even though I'm talking right now. <laughs> and I, I, I do enjoy listening to hear what's going on. The future one I started in the second podcast, and that's where I articulated that I wanted to do a podcast and I found once I'd written in depth about it with the guidance from the um, website, it comes into reality. I just think you're such a natural at it, Pradeepa, and that was what why I asked you to MC as well. So look, you know, things, you know, come out of what you're good at, you know, you, you're doing what you're meant to be doing and, and you're natural at it. It's well, like, bro, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> but what, writing it out in that fashion, yeah. it took it from 
hey, maybe it seems I have these virtues, I'm interested in this, you write it out, you're basically mm. basically creating it through mm. words. Mm. Have you ever found that? Yeah, sometimes I'll, like I do, I, I don't know, I just think it's really important as, you know, whatever you create, it's good to have time um, on your own where you're just sort of listening to yourself. Like, um, I do I do something um, where what? I'm, what's it called, where you're, you're writing out um, every, like every morning. I don't do it every morning. Oh, like journaling? Yeah, it's yeah. like that, that you like you, you write two pages out um, and it just gets rid of the, the crap in your head that yes. kind of distracts you. Yes. And it's also quite self-soothing as well. Like sometimes if I'm feeling, uh, you know, a little bit out of sorts and I just write stuff down and then it, it just gets out on paper and it's much cheaper than going to counselling. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I find it really helpful. And like I say, I don't do it every day, but it is quite useful. And it's, it's isn't it called the creative, what's it called? It's based on the oh, book, the creative yes. journey or the creative. Artist's Way. Artist's Way, that's the one. The Artist's Way. i of the Chris Vogler book, um, which is the, the yeah, the, the, uh, the writer's journey. It's a different one. Um, but, yeah, the, the Artist's, Artist's Way. Way. Yeah, and it is, yeah, it's really helpful. Whatever, whatever, you don't have to be a writer to no. do it. Um, you know, you could be a, a, a painter, but it's just about getting getting the, the crap out of your head and onto paper. And it's not something that you read back on. It doesn't no. have to be. It's not Shakespeare, you know. No. Um, I've sometimes, if I've had a problem with somebody, yeah, you just, I've written out the whole scenario, not yeah. sent it or anything no, like that. never sent it. <laughs> I, had a, I had a terrible situation, family situation that went on 2019, in 2019 for about a year. Once I'd written the whole thing out, yeah. I could leave it behind. You could let it go because it, it's gone out of your head. It's gone out of your head and it's not, you know, like I meditate as well and that's supposed to be, you know, um, silencing the, the chattering mind. Yeah. Know, so that you can just focus yeah. on whatever it is you, you, you know, want to create. focus on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with this um, <clears throat> self-authoring course, the way you I wrote about the podcast, it was very uh, structured. There were specific questions that he'd ask that you'd need to write about, including stuff like, what do you think could get in the way of right. this? Where you've got to look at yourself and go, well, where am I going to get in my own way? What other things? Could... It was very detailed. But had you thought about podcasting previously? I had. Yeah, so it was already there. It like, was already there. Yeah. But writing it out in such detail with that kind of guidance yeah. brought it into fruition. Sometimes I just think there's that, I don't know, like... Sometimes there's something you want to do, but like, like for me, you know, like I said, I used to in my twenties go see stand up comedy, but I never actually thought about myself doing it. But then, if when there's something that you know, what's the fire in your belly? You know, if there's something that gets you excited. That's something you should pursue. And it was the same for me with doing my PhD. Right. Like I, you know, I'd, I'd hear about you know somebody doing their doctorate, and I would. I I think oh that that just that excites me that idea. And I was you know after I had had kids, I was chatting to a, a journalist friend, and she was giving me some career advice. And I was also thinking, oh, maybe should I become a journalist? And then I mentioned PhD. And she said, Marilyn, that's that that one thing that you're saying. That of all the things you're saying, that's the one that I I, I think resonates. And and it wasn't just that she said it; it, it resonated for me too. I'm like, okay, I can do that. You know, so you know, that's really cool. Yeah. It's it, just, I think there's. I think sometimes we're scared to pursue those <coughs> things that you know. What is it they say? The fear of failure. Um, but you know, it's just you just got to do it. Life's too short otherwise. Like it is you know, too short. And, and what are you going to fail? Like the failure is just you know, it's just uh, 
you don't fail. Like if you have a guy, it's the journey is is part of it. And I think that totally. people that succeed are the ones that can, you know, like in comedy, for instance, you have a bad gig, but then you get back up there again. And, Absolutely. You know, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, failure is a part of the process. Yeah, for sure. For not sure. not meeting the goal, to. not meeting your immediate goals. That's what a failure is. Yes, that's it. Isn't you it? know, like having a go, that's failure, isn't it? But I think the ultimate failure is giving up because. I, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's also, that's sometimes the people that become critics. I hate to say it. Sorry for all you oh. critics out there. I want to you know, but I don't, I mean like the, the unprofessional, like the, the non-professional critics, you yeah. know, people that just, that just get out there and just criticize creative people. Like, you know, just have a go at yourself. Like it's quite hard to get a blank piece of paper and actually fill it with something. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I don't mind. Like I, I tell people if I'm doing new material and that's fine. It's all part of it. You know, you have to get up there we i did brett hunter and i were the first night at um king of tonga you know we both did new material and you know it you know it didn't go as well as some of the the other stuff that, that yeah of that, course you know but it's fine yeah. like yeah you know, so the, did you just let the audience know it was new yeah yeah and they were for, for, for yeah yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure. it's better to for tell sure. them don't you find but i think it's exciting going seeing comics do new stuff i love it like oh I, me too I used to love, like i mean i love going to the same venue you know this is before i was a comic i used to like watching and i think that was part of my development as a comedian was watching other people develop you know and seeing oh absolutely they, that's know, that's how we hearing, start you know hearing the same routines every night you know like what yeah. from other comedians yeah. and seeing how I they're working on it and stuff. so i you know i'd see them do do the same stuff you know last laugh they do i don't know how many shows a week but i go every night you know wow it's great. It great seeing that you know? wow so you were already kind of studying it so to speak I think I, was. Back then. I think i was i probably didn't know it at the time but I, I definitely did have a really strong interest in it for sure i was i call it my misspent youth you know <laughs> my misspent youth doing stuff that i love and then i've made it a career of my own but yeah but it's, it's not important. a misspent I know I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> what well, I feel like mine's more a misspent youth I was a you know hippie and all that sort of stuff traveling around and didn't find comedy till I was later in yeah, life okay but that's your that's what you, you that's made you who you are isn't it so that's the experience that you bring to the stage is you know that's true the misspent youth is that's why I say it with tongue-in-cheek I think that's it's important like I sometimes say that to my students like some of them seem so conservative compared to you know how, what we were like mm. when we were at uni yeah they're all, yeah. they're all quite focused on you know getting their degree and you know getting their fields mm. made and things like go out there have a drink you know, smoke a joint, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so. totally. I think so too. I think the, the I don't know when things started to change, but I think more university students are more concerned around what job they're going to get when they get out of uni mm. than expanding their mind while they're in uni. And mm. I think back when we were going to uni, it was a bit more sort of, we're students, you know, we're here to experiment and grow yeah. and learn. And what job came later wasn't, as such yeah. large weight. Well, I sort of on my like when I'm when I'm like marking films, I sort of have a component of it just for creativity and innovation. And like I say, because I teach second years, and that's why I, I love it because you know they're they're out there creating new work, and I'd rather them have a go at something completely unique, yeah, and, and fail, um, yeah, or maybe they don't. I won't say fail, but maybe not achieve what they were hoping for, than doing something that we've already seen on the screen, that of course it's going to work, but hey, we've seen it. That's not very creative, is it? So no. But I've also, like every part of the assessment, I always do creativity and innovation. 
have to you have to really support that and encourage that. Well, you do, especially yeah. in a world. I think my son told me that it's only about what five percent of films that come out now are genuine original content. Oh, really? Um, he might only be talking about feature films, but if you think of all the Marvel films, oh yeah, right, Careful, isn't it? Yeah, and then oh, you've yeah. got all the films that are based on a, oh, this yeah. book, or they're based on yeah. that TV adaptation. series, yeah. or they're an adaptation of that, or it's a prequel yeah. to that, or it's a sequel from that. Yeah. They're all playing it safe. But they say that also, like in terms of ideas, there's only like so many ideas out there, and sometimes you get a few, you know, a couple of similar ideas at the same time, and they may not necessarily copy each other, like some obviously do, but sometimes it's just, you know, we're, we're out there and, you and know. the zeitgeist. The zeitgeist. You know, you're picking up things, and of course people would create a similar thing. But I think it's also, it's the way you tell that story, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like we could do comedy on a similar yeah. subject, but it's really our, we're not stealing each other's no. material we're, if we've got a different angle on the same yeah. subject, yeah, especially it. if it's topical. For sure. You know. For sure. Well, that's it. I'm, okay, you know, there's no point being worried about people stealing your material because they're not going to do it as well as you. And, and if they have to do that, then they're not really good artists anyway, are they? It's no. Sad. No, although you do hear about do some hear pros it. actually yeah. stealing material. Yeah. Yeah. But then what I've discussed with some people on the podcast is to, if we do material that's really from us, from mm. our own experience, mm. from our own life, mm. Really, it can't transfer onto another person unless they've lived a very similar life. Very similar life, life yeah. So that's that would really, I think, uh, encourage us to be doing material that's not just generic. Yeah, You know, oh, I was at true. the Seb the other day and this blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Or I saw this ad on TV. Not that anyone watches TV anymore, but... You know, that sort of old, I mean, you do stuff on dating, but you've got that, you've got the angle of being the older woman coming back after, yeah, true. after being well, divorced. Yeah, that's it. Because I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there are, there's, there's a lot of people out there doing dating material, but mm. not that many that are my age, I think. Like there's, no. there's a lot of, and there's, I mean, how many, like there aren't that many 50 year old women doing stand up in no. Australia, really, because they've all been scared off, you know. And I guess, you know, I've, like I said, I've gone gone out of it and come back into it. And But I have sort of really, I mean, I, I kind of really enjoy doing it. And I mean, I must say, like, I do I do feel very comfortable on the stage. Like, I really, like, because I lecture as well, I'm used to. Yeah, and right. I, that's, it's sort of been my blood performing, you know, and, yeah. and it's also my blood writing. So it just seems like a natural progression but it's, it's a wonderful combo of the two yeah isn't it? it is it without is. somebody without having to rely on anybody else that's right like i said with you know i i would love to be doing television shows that you know there are so many <laughs> things you've got that uh, so many things that we've all got to work together to make that happen whereas yeah yeah comedy it's um but yeah it's a lot isn't it you know where we're like we talk about you market it as well yeah you're doing so much it's it's quite a lot mentally, I think, when you're on stage. And, and also the memory. The memory as you're getting on, isn't yeah. it? Like... Yeah. <laughs> I'm going through a stage where oh. I'm putting my set list to the side. because Yeah, I, I think I, I, have, I write it on a card. But, yeah, I've, I've been seeing a lot of comics doing that lately. And I think I've just got to bite the bullet and do it. I just I don't want to do it. I, I actually, don't want to read off oh, a... I don't know. Yeah. But it doesn't... People forgive you, I think. It's just... I have. I did oh, last Tuesday. I froze at one bit where I that I know really well, and I, I wanted to get it back. And funnily enough, I had it on a card in my pocket. I thought, no, I'm not going to do it. And, I, and finally, I got back to it. But I thought, really, I should have just 
you know, got in there and read it. So Well, I think I think it's such a long process. It is. As I've discussed yeah. with other comedians, it's a long game. Yeah. We're talking decades. Yeah. We don't have long to go for an EPA. We've got a gig out. We've got to make the most of it. Yeah. Make the most of it. That's it. It's I, a long game. It is a long game. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. Go on. Well, I was just thinking, I, I remember seeing Geraldine Hickey, you know, 20, 30 years ago, and she certainly wasn't as good as she is now, you know, but, you know, yeah. look at her. Like, she's amazing. Oh, she's fantastic. Isn't she? You know, and yeah. I love her, her dry delivery. It's very different to what I do, but she's yeah. so good at it. You know? She's very good yeah. at it. Yeah. Yeah, she came out, um, Dave, my, my son went to the same school as Dave O'Neill's kids. Oh, yes. And he would put on a fundraiser. Yeah. And he'd bring I've in another. Yeah. yeah, with other like he got Denise Scott. Yeah, and uh, one time we got Geraldine Hickey. Yeah. and what was interesting and no, no, no specific diss to Dave Hughes here. Like I don't mean to diss Dave Hughes, but he was the other. So it'll be Dave O'Neill I'm saying. Dave O'Neill I'm saying, and then he had Geraldine Hickey. Mm-hmm. He always had a female and a male and himself, so good. right? I mean, one year we had Celia Piccola, we had yeah. Denise Scott, you know, we always had top level. Yeah. Anne Edmonds, oh my God, she brought the, brought the roof yeah. down. And so one time we had Geraldine Hickey and we had Dave Hughes after her. And um, I remember being at school the next Monday at assembly and I'd hear all these, wasn't Geraldine Hickey fantastic? Yeah. She was so good, you know, and that slow burn kind yeah. of humour and da-da-da. Not one person mentioned Dave Hughes. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh poor Dave. Easy, easy. <laughs> I do love Hughesy too, Well, no, I'm not meaning to diss him. I, I know, but I, I think I mean, because she, really she was connects, diff- she connects, doesn't she, with the audience? She and perhaps it was all the the mothers, so maybe yeah. the women were connecting with her style and yeah, all that maybe. sort of stuff, you know. And so it's Gerald unique. Not a mum. No. But she was still connecting as well. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somehow That's the, the a good comic. Somehow the, the women really dug her style. Yeah. And nobody dissed Dave Hughes. Uh, maybe it was because they'd heard him. Yeah, and also already. They, and also maybe they didn't know Geraldine. So. I would imagine none of them had seen her before. Possibly. I yeah. none of them said oh, I know her from before. Yeah. So it was like a breath of fresh air this you know, different style to usual. Mm. Yeah, she's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so it's her own style. It really is. But saying it's a long game. Yeah. Back to we're talking about list or no list. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I went through a phase where I had no list, and then I'd forget, right? Because I hadn't been experienced much, and if they didn't laugh at a gag, I'd freeze, you know, and then you mm. forget what your next line is. So then I'd start, and I because I don't have very good eyesight. And I've got long distance glasses on. I can't see if I write it on my hand. No, I couldn't either. <laughs> so it was like I'd have this little like list in my back pocket just in case, but I don't always have a pocket, right? And, and you find that sometimes, like just you, you're all dressed and you think, oh yeah, I look great today, and then you look and you're like, no pocket, no so, yeah. pocket. <laughs> and then so I'd sometimes just have it in my hand, but then having a piece of paper in your hand is bad. That looks bad, right? You want to walk on stage with a piece of paper? No, I don't think comics do it, and I think I'm. Just, so I'm then just I was it. like, do I? All right, I've got my list, and then I'll be referring to my list, and then that was breaking the flow. Yeah. And I, like ultimately, I think that place to get to is that you don't need your list and well, there's it flows exactly. without without a break exactly and look i mean i don't know i mean 
looking back, you know, last last week when I said like that I did freeze, I, I think looking back, I, I wish that I did use the list, but you know what? I just, I wanted to see if I could get it back and it was an experiment. It didn't really work, but you know, I think what I do, like I have my, I have my, my full script, but then I have, I write dot points just like yeah. a few hours before I go on stage and yep. um, just so it's fresh, I yep. think. Um, and like very rarely will I use it, but um, you know, that's it's not like a, material. It's like a security, security blanket, blanket thing. That's right. Yeah. But, but I think I went I went so blank that I, I also thought I couldn't even remember that I had it in my pocket. Oh, you know? really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I got it. Like I, cause like I said, I did know that material quite well, but you know, whatever. Did you just have to get on to a bit that you yeah, could remember kind of, and then you well, went like that from was there. it. I didn't start at the start of that bit. I kind of had to go a bit and then go back. Like, nah, 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 nah. So I sort of made yeah. the thing and then I, yeah. then I did it. It wasn't the best, but, you know, you do it. and. But that's why yeah. it's a long game Yeah, because you need all of these experiences. Yeah. And I think to get to the point that and, you can do yeah. like 10 minutes, 15 minutes yeah. without looking at a list, that, that it takes a lot of oh, yeah. gigging to do it that. Takes a lot. And also at the moment I'm doing a lot of stuff out of order because I'm moving things around a bit because I'm doing 10-minute spots around town and that's going to be part of my one-hour show. So, yes. And I sometimes change, you know, I, I put bits in, you know, like there's some good lines that, are, that can sort of fit in anywhere, so I always like to put them in. Yeah. Um, but then the next time I might go in, I'm like, oh, okay, you know. Do it a might, bit differently. Yeah, you do it a little bit differently. So, so and, you know, we I normally like to think, well, if I say one word, that brings me to the next word. But then yeah. if you move that around, it changes it. So it's a lot of rehearsing as well. Like I do, I do go over it a lot of time beforehand. And, so do I. Yeah, yeah. I find that definitely helps a lot. Yeah, it does. But I think it needs, the reason it needs the gigging is because you can't recreate that if you don't get the response you've got to still hold it together remember everything and keep going as oh you didn't like that one okay moving on yeah you know rather than getting oh i didn't like it (laughs) exactly oh sometimes it's weird like but it's also a different crowd is always totally different so you know some stuff that might work at you know king of tonga might not work somewhere else you know and, and you wonder you think you know, and it could just be that it's a smaller room. It could be anything. You don't, yeah. you don't know. You don't know what it is. You just, you know. But if you know that it's worked somewhere else, then you think, all right, I'm going to try it again. Yeah. And sometimes it could just be a matter of changing the words around a bit or pausing. And, and that's experience too, isn't it? Like working with different crowds. And like I I did, oh, what's the venue? The one, um, Paul Sharpland's at... Um, Gorilla. The Gorilla, yeah. yeah. And it's such a small room. Yeah. And, I thought, and I'm, you know, quite a big performer. Like, I'm, I'm used to sort of big stage and being quite energetic. And I thought, oh, it's a small room. I'll bring it down. But I sort of learnt that. Sometimes, you know, there weren't, there weren't many in the crowd. And I, yeah. I think in retrospect, you know, sometimes you can make it even bigger, you know, when it's a small room, I think. Yeah. Because um, you still, you know, keep that energy going. But, you know, I sometimes just try different things, you know. I just... I've sometimes thought maybe trying to be not as animated and be a bit more still and that the delivery is not – so I find when I'm quite animated. Yeah. But I've wondered if I bring it down. Yeah. If it might land – that's with more it. focus. Yes, definitely. Well, it gives you more, it makes you appear perhaps more, yeah, that you've got more power and more confidence, you know, that if, yeah, you keep that focus. I was watching Tig Notario the other day and she just sort of stands there just talking and it's very slow. And, and it wasn't until I, because sometimes I, I talk quite quickly and I recorded myself and I, 
I could hear there was one part where I slowed down like, oh, that's much better. <laughs> that's actually much better. Well, the other thing the about pauses, the pauses people can, are really important. They are important. They, they emphasise certain words mm. and they rhythm. They create mm. rhythm. And they give the audience a moment to laugh and process and, you know, think about it, you know, and then, yeah. then move into the next, the next bit. And everybody you can, can understand easier mm. if you speak more slowly. Mm. I think I'm more, I'm just more like that anyway, mm. but I think I might be distracting by being more animated, mm. might be distracting mm. or keep the animation for certain bits. Yeah, for sure. You know, but I think that's what we've got to play with and there's only one way to find out if it works. Mm. You know, I was going to ask which uh, venues have you, besides your own room, which venues have you been gigging at? Um, where have I been gigging? So I said uh, Resistance. Yeah. Um, I'm doing George's um, okay. in Fitzroy. Uh, When's that gig coming that's out? That's on Wednesday. Ah, okay. I yeah. might be releasing this till Thursday, oh, so gosh. sorry. <laughs> that's that all right. Um, but yeah, I'm sort of, and then I, yeah, I, I actually um, got asked to do Gasso, but it was on Tuesday, and I don't want to do more than one gig, in, especially when it's my room. I don't want to leave my own. No. No. No, it's, if it's, it's the not, same night. No, 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 no. no, no. I get you. So, you know, so I'm. I mean, yeah, I've seen, you know, some I mean, some people are doing my room and they're coming from another one. It makes me a bit anxious too, you know. Um, so, and, yeah. I like being in just one gig one night. Yeah, I do like, I like, I like the camaraderie and I like watching my fellow performers too. So like, do I. Yeah, I don't want to just come and do my bit and then, then run off. And then, it just feels it's weird. It's quite exhausting. Yeah, and I don't know how much... It really helps at the end of the day. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> what are we? At? We're up to four forty-eight. I think we've just about come to the end of our time oh, frame. Just exhausted, Padita. <laughs> 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 I told you, time flies on Doesn't the podcast, it? right? It's, fun. it's amazing. Yeah. And I feel like we, you know, there was a whole section of your life that we didn't talk about, but that's cool because we talked about your performing side of things. I'm going to go and have a little nap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go off show. I'm going to think about dinner now. <laughs> oh, there was one little comment that you made before. What was that? About how uh, Jewish people have used comedy through the yeah. ages to overcome the Adversity. adversities yeah. that you've been through. And I was going to ask, because I have noticed, particularly with female comics, a lot of the big female comics are Jewish. Ellen, uh, Sarah Silverman. Yeah. Um, uh, Amy. Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Is she Jewish? I think she, she is. Part, probably the wrong side on the dad's side. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. I remember looking her up once. I thought she it's was. definitely a Jewish name. It Schumer. does sound like a Jewish yeah, I name. Think, I think she's part Jewish, yeah. Yeah, and the, and and here oh, in Melbourne. Have you, ever been to a, have you ever been to a synagogue and heard the rabbi's sermon? No, I have Best not. Rabbis are like stand-up comics. Really? Yeah, yeah. So it's within your culture. It absolutely is. Yeah. So that of course there's Jerry Seinfeld, the biggest yeah. Jewish comedian on the planet. Yeah. And apparently there's many, many more Jewish comedians yeah. in... Joan. Hello. Joan. Oh, Joan Rivers. Rivers. Oh, I, did, I didn't. I didn't know. Mm. So, 
situation. You've answered a question for me. What's is that? Why, well, why are there? Why does it seem to be there's so many Jewish comedians that make it to such a high level? Well, you think of Jews. Jews are not known for our physical prowess, right? So okay. that's usually how we defended ourselves by diffusing situations with comedy. Wow. <gasps> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's, and also, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, rather than fight, physically fight, it's not, I mean, you know, that's a gross generalisation there, but, um, but yeah, it is, it's just in our, it's in our DNA is, is humour. Like, I mean, if you come for Shabbat one night with my big, you know, raucous family, it's very funny, <laughs> you know, when, when we're hot, we're, we're wow. I, I always joke, like my home, I, I like to say, you know, we pass around the imaginary microphone, you know, <laughs> yeah, stage. right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you've really answered something <laughs> I was wondering. Yeah. About why Jewish people were so yeah. prominent. And some of my in friends comedy. that have nothing to do with the arts are just so funny. You know, some of my friends, my my dearest friends. You know, I gravitate to the the funny ones. <laughs> oh, know? absolutely, because yeah. they make yeah. you feel make you feel good. Feel good. Make you feel good. It's easy to cope with 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 life, isn't it? When you can laugh about. Absolutely. You know, that goes down. So. Absolutely. I was actually listening to um, Joe Rogan interview an author who said that as he was growing up, uh, he found he was talking about working class, but uh, people doing jobs, right? That went at work. Um, when he says working class, he was talking about cooks and yeah. you know people that are doing trades, yeah. right? That was his description of it, right? And he said. Because you either laugh together or you fight. Yeah. As men, and he said, as long as we were laughing, and that. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And the, of course, the humour was more around taking the piss out of each other. Yeah. And the situation, but and the way that they gained status was by making each other laugh the most. Yeah. And that if it wasn't going to be so that, good. then it was going to be fighting. fighting. <laughs> and he, and then Amazing. he said, wouldn't it be awesome? If we did more laughing and yeah. less fighting, and if wouldn't it be awesome if we did all laughing and no fighting? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Maybe we could be a part of creating that world. Let's go to Russia. <laughs> well, you could get out no, the front line and crack a few gags. That's what Mel Brooks used to do. I think Mel Brooks, you know, fought in the Second World War and he was like in the trenches, you know, Americans on one side, Germans on the other. And um, he did his, I don't know, an Al Jolson impersonation and then he heard over the trench, yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Ah! <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Could you imagine Mel Brooks funny? How I love you, how I love you. <laughs> I reckon that instead of doing wars, they should get out there and yeah. just go top this. That's it. You know, and give your five, best five. That's a good <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the other team's got to push for somebody That's and they've got to give their we're best just, five. We're going to solve some world problems right there. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen that uh, South Park episode where they'd go up and dance and you'd have to do a dance back and if yours wasn't, a, you, could, you just got served? Remember that? Get out on the yeah, out of the trenches and serve each other and then find out who wins and then they, they get that bit of land. That's it. I think we've sorted shit out. That's it. It takes, it takes middle-aged women That's it. to sort shit out, yeah. Marilyn. Thank you and good night. <laughs> 
Before we go, tell us again about your show. Okay, so it's the MILF Next Door. We'll be on uh, at the Classic Southside. You can get tickets via the Comedy Festival website. Make sure you put down MILF Next Door Marilyn or MILF Next Door Comedy. <laughs> you might so end up on Pornhub instead yeah, of exactly. Melbourne International Comedy right. Festival. And, yeah, and also come to the um, King of Tonga. Uh, so uh, Classic Classic Southside's in Elstonwick, King of Tonga's Tennyson Street, uh, Elwood. So hope to see some of you out there. Fantastic. Come and say hi. Yes, come and say hi to Marilyn. She was the gorgeous looking MILF <laughs> <laughs> with her sexy glasses on. Oh, thank you. No, I don't know if I wear my glasses. Maybe. No, maybe. maybe. If, on request, maybe. <laughs> I tell you, though, you look gorgeous. They're, um, they've got leopard, they've got animal print on the glasses they frames. Do, don't they? Yeah, together <laughs> with your gorgeous nails, you're just. You're, <laughs> You're nailing it, girlfriend. Nailing it. So say, I'm not a cougar, I'm a predator. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thanks so much. It's been Thanks, awesome. Darling. Thanks for coming. And it's I look forward to emceeing and I look forward to your show. Yay. Love Yay. <laughs> see ya. Bye. Marilyn captured me with her story from the moment we started. I had no idea that she studied film and television in the US and that she worked on Seinfeld. Oh my God, amazing. Um, She also toured with Buddy, the Buddy Holly story here in Australia as a performer slash actor. You know, all of this while being a good Jewish girl. Amazing. I had no idea of Marilyn's rich writing and performing background when we gigged at Yes All Women's together. And I'm so glad we did this podcast so I could find out. Now don't forget to go and see her show the MILF next door, and don't forget to come and see my show with Artie Vincent and Lisa Gattenby, Misunderstanding. I'll put the links to both of the shows in the liner notes of the podcast. Now, since Marilyn studied in the US, and this is quite a thin sort of, uh, quite a thin connection, I'm going to play you out with an old Cosmic Egg song called Mr. Corporation since that's where corporate cultures come from. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And if you like the podcast, please give me a good rating on Spotify or Apple or wherever. It really helps. And now, without any further ado, here's Mr. Corporation. Thought, ooh, this is.
Global. Set. 